Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast with Louise Rumble. Today, my co-host is the incredible Dana Doswell. She is an expert in all things nervous system, and we have so much to talk about. So I first found Dana when I opened up the TikTok app and, you know, I thought it was going to be this app full of 14 year olds and that there was like nothing, you know, no value that I could find on there in the holistic health world or to help me on my healing journey or I really just didn't think much about it. And then I found Dana and I just was like, oh my goodness, she has so much information to share with the world. And it really just kind of inspired me to get on TikTok too and to get out there into this community of so many people that are working on their healing at, I guess, like a root cause level. So today we're going to be discussing all things nervous system. We're going to be discussing my return from Mexico back to the UK, discussing why this has really shaken me up, what this has kind of done on a nervous system level. And we're also going to go into tons of different parts of the nervous system, which one might be most relevant for you in terms of the states that we live in, as well as the bigger challenges that we battle as a society today. So first up, I would love it if you could give me a tiny introduction on who you are, where you are and what you do, and then we can get into the meat of what I know is going to be a deeply valuable and incredibly juicy episode. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for that amazing introduction. That is really similar experience I had with opening TikTok up. And yeah, it can, if you use it in a good way, you can really get a lot of value from the platform. So for everybody listening, my name is Dana. I'm Canadian. I'm currently living in Toronto. I'm really excited to talk today as well, because I've spent the last three years living between Mexico, Colombia, and a couple of other areas through South America. So I really understand, like viscerally understand probably what you're experiencing with the move back to the UK. And yeah, I guess over these last three years was really when I had discovered the nervous system through doing somatic therapy, which I found because I saw the term spiritual psychology on Instagram one day. And it just seemed so much deeper than anything I'd done, like cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever. And at the time I was living in Mexico by myself, I'd started to try late with this other business that wasn't working out. And so super, super stressed out. And yeah, I started doing somatic therapy, discovered the nervous system, and it just completely changed my entire view of the world. And I had such a full body reaction to learning about how the nervous system worked because it, it almost immediately melted away this core fear of mine that was there's something innately wrong with me. It just, and it was just such an extreme level of validation that, you know, like there's not something wrong with me, that there's like a, an actual explanation for all of these things, you know, emotional things, physical things that had been happening to me for so long. And even though I was quote unquote a healthy person, they continued to get worse. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, I can't even, I can't even put into words the experience that I had in my body. I work one-on-one with about six people at a time to really help them deeply regulate their nervous systems using this blend of science, which is really taking an evolutionary approach and looking at evolution as kind of our best guide. And then this more spiritual and somatic somatic side of things, which is about developing body-based practices, uh, you know, connection with community, connection with self. And these are the things that actually deeply heal and allow you to live in a state of, we'll get into this parasympathetic which for me is just peace. So Mm -hmm. that's really my goal uh, right now is to just help as many people as possible. And the more I do it, the more regulated I get because it's what I love to do. So super excited to be here to chat with you today. I already have so many things to say (laughs) on what you've just said there. So I think that the first place to start is just probably exploring like what actually somatic is because people listening to this might not know. And as a backstory, I guess for everyone listening that has supported Open House on this journey so far, 
I have, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia at the age of 18 after a deeply traumatic, stressful event. And I guess my journey ever since then has been trying to get to the root cause of the pain. And for a very long time, I tried everything. I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on traditional techniques and medicine. And like you, doctors just saying, you're so healthy, your bloods are fine. There's like nothing wrong with you, et cetera, et cetera. And that then led me into the therapy room because I started to explore the concept of how trapped emotions and suppressed emotions can impact our physical body, i.e. the nervous system that we're going to talk about. And therapy and cognitive, so conscious-based therapy, was revolutionary for me, but not revolutionary on a physical level. So it was revolutionary for me to understand why I was the way I was, how my childhood and my schooling had shaped me to be this like super type A personality, like needing validation from external sources, needing to achieve, always going the extra mile, which I'm sure we'll also get into later in the episode. But that really resonated with me when you spoke about the spiritual, you know, the spiritual psychology or spiritual psychiatry, because I came across the concept of holistic psychiatry, which is similar, but a bit more body focused as opposed to, I guess, energetic and spiritual focused. And that's when I realized this is the missing, this is the missing key, you know, to healing. And the more and more that I went into it, I was just seeing not only mental health conditions being so deeply tied to the nervous system, but also chronic health conditions, chronic pain conditions. And I think my first question for you really is what is somatic therapy at its most basic? For anyone listening to this and thinking, I don't even know what that is. So soma is like the ancient Greek word for body. So soma-based therapies or somatic therapies are body-based therapies, which can mean something as simple as sitting there, putting your hand on your chest, connecting to an emotion within your body, and intentionally working to process it and noticing how this, this feeling, this sensation changes in your body. It can be anything from that to yoga. It can be breath work. It can be cold therapy. It can be massage, acupuncture. So it's any body-based therapy that has the intention behind it of either supporting you to regulate yourself or essentially supporting you to connect with yourself so that you can identify what you need and what you desire on a moment-to-moment basis. Mm, that's so, so interesting because I think that in today's society, there's this disconnect between the mind and the body. We think that the mind is where the mental health problems start, all of the thoughts and the depression and the anxiety. We are like bred and led to believe that they come from in here, from in our, in, inside of our heads. But what I've learned through this journey is that actually there really isn't a distinction between mind and body. Like that's just a social construct. It's actually all interconnected. It doesn't just get stored in your brain. It also gets stored in your body. Would you say that's kind of correct and sort of the basis of somatic or soma therapy? Yes, yes. And one of the things that like I 100% agree with is when we talk about mental health or physical health, we're talking about everything. Like you cannot separate them and people will, will be like, okay, like why does connecting with my emotions, how could that help like my skin get better, for example? So for me, that was one of the things I've had like cystic acne my whole life was put on these really heavy medications. And then a couple of years ago, I fainted on my medication and like hit my head on a cement floor. And then ever since I regulated my nervous system, my skin has gotten like 85 to 90% better. Like just not any, not taking anything like just from regulating my nervous system and somatically connecting with my body because, and here's how this actually happens. When we're stressed, we deplete core minerals from our body. The minerals are like the spark plugs for our body. What we need to produce energy on a cellular level magnesium specifically is responsible for being able to to have like a good amount of ATP in our cells, which is energy. Magnesium is massively depleted when we are stressed. Mm. And the food that we eat is already pretty deficient in magnesium compared to what it should be for kind of ideal levels for us. So if we have at the cellular level an inability to produce a proper amount of energy And then we're living our super stressful lives on top of that. This mineral deficiency leads to hormonal imbalances, which can lead to skin issues. So you have six stressful weeks in a row and you break out. We're not just talking about some surface level thing here. There's this huge feedback loop going through your entire body. 
and it needs to be taken care of properly. And so from reducing stress on a very physical level, we're helping to maintain healthy mineral levels, which help to maintain proper hormone balance, you know, proper emotional regulation, the ability to sleep properly. So this is how the somatic or the spiritual and the more emotional side is directly connected to the physical body. Mm. I love, love, love the use of skin as like an example. So with my chronic pain, I believe it to be exactly the same thing, which is that as I've gone down this journey, I've realized that I have suppressed so much emotion, which is ultimately energy down into my body. Where does energy go? This is not woo woo stuff. This has been proven on so many occasions that, you know, everything is energy. The table's energy, like we are energy. Everything is energy. Matter is built from energy. So if you are suppressing those emotions down, they have to go downwards into something. And what I realized is that for me, it was going downwards and causing me pain, almost like interfering with the nerves and the muscles. But I think that skin is a more easy to understand example, whether that's eczema, psoriasis, acne or cystic acne. I now have done so much work in this space that as soon as I see someone with acne, I don't even think, you know, oh, they've got acne. I think like, wow, there is something deeply, deeply being suppressed under the surface or deeply interfering with the way that their processes are supposed to work. And I absolutely love what you said about the minerals as well, because we did an episode with a good friend of mine called Sarah Murphy, who's the potent plant. And she is on the same wavelength as you. She says, the biggest health crisis today is a deficiency in minerals. And, you know, not, well, not the biggest, but like one of the biggest. And the reason for that is because no one even knows what minerals are. And they literally like power our body, yet no one knows them. Like no one knows what they are. But yeah, we could go on for hours about this. I feel like there's so much we we could say here. Maybe we'll do another episode on some of these things, but just taking it back to all things nervous system. So I think before we get into talking about like my experience, your experience, what's happened to me going from Mexico to London, should we start with just the concept of nervous system dysregulation? I think if you are spending any time on TikTok or Instagram or in the holistic health or health communities generally, you're seeing a lot of people saying, you just have to regulate your nervous system. You just have to regulate your nervous system. And I think that a lot of people maybe don't actually even know what that means. So Mm -hmm. what does it mean to regulate your nervous system? Okay. So if it's okay with you, I'd actually like to start with like a mini nervous system 101 and then explain what it is to be dysregulated. Okay. So I'm going to introduce something called the polyvagal theory, which is like what everything that I do is based on and just nervous system work in general. So this guy, Stephen Porges, kind of challenged the old model that we knew of stress, which was you were either stressed or not. So like off or on. And he was like, this seems really weird because, you know, like you can be happy and like nervous at the same time. So he was kind of like, okay, what's going on here? So what he identified was that there's actually three states, like a spectrum, and we move through these three states by responding to the environment that we're in. So our nervous system is always scanning our environment to see, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that you survive? That's the nervous system's main fundamental job is to make sure you survive. So there's three states that we can move through. There's parasympathetic, also known as rest or digest. This is in my opinion, where we are able to really actually live in reality, but there's a very like abundant way of being in reality. And we're able to be in reality because we feel safe and we're able to properly balance the inputs from our environment between our nervous, so that soma or that body level and using our prefrontal cortex, which is where we have access to logic. And it's really by being able to balance the use of these two parts of the body that we're able to experience reality. And it's pretty fucking awesome. And then there's fight or flight mode. You might have heard people talk about this before. So like a tiger's attacking you, you have to like ramp up super quickly. You go into fight or flight mode. What do I need to do to survive? So this is where anxiety becomes present. And this is like telling you to do something. You feel really chaotic. One of the best signs that you're in this activated fight or flight state is you immediately like mentally or even physically pull up your to-do list and you feel like you need to do every single thing immediately. But the idea of choosing just one thing to do is impossible. So you get stuck in this weird limbo state where you just feel stressed and you can't do anything. So that's sympathetic activation, fight or flight. Now let's say you're in this tiger attack and there's like 10 tigers attacking you and it's just you by yourself. 
probably you're not going to make it out alive. And so your body goes into shutdown state, also known as freeze. The term is dorsal vagal shutdown. Also, coincidentally, the exact signs of depression. But we can get into that later. So this is when your nervous system says, okay, there is no way to fight or run away from this threat. I'm going to die. So in order, it's kind of like a last ditch attempt to protect you. And what we see in the wild sometimes is like certain animals will do this, like playing dead to dissuade the the predator from attacking them. And so that's kind of what our body does. And so it numbs us. So it's like, okay, my last thing I'm going to do is like disconnect this mind body connection, make it pretty much as like painless as possible for you to die. So you shut down. And this is why like a lot of people in this state report things like literally feeling disconnected from the body, you know, like exercise feels literally just like you're like sludging through mud and things like that. So we're meant to move through these three states. You can be in multiple states at the same time. You might be with someone who makes you feel safe in an environment that's not safe for you. So your nervous system is going to be responding to both of those things at the same time. Now, what does this mean for dysregulation? Well, as human beings, we are meant to live mostly in that parasympathetic state. This is where rest or digest. Our digestive system is working properly. You know, our stress hormones are not, are not you know, being tasked too much. So everything is more properly regulated. We're able to live in harmony with our circadian rhythm. And for women, you know, our 28-day cycle, like we're able to live in harmony with that. And then to be dysregulated means that you are stuck most of the time in a fight or flight or shutdown state, or you're in a activated or shutdown state more than you're in a regulated state. And your nervous system does not have resiliency to push you back into a parasympathetic nervous system state. So you're stuck and that parasympathetic response is unable to get you back. So that's really what it means to be dysregulated and why you might feel like you have brief moments of like, oh my God, like life is awesome. And then you're just like stressed out besides that. It's because you're going back into that stress state. That is so incredibly interesting already because I didn't realize that with the polyvagal theory that you were able to be in multiple states at once. That's something that I didn't know. So I just thought that you were either in one or the other. Let's put some examples on here. And as we're talking through them, also, I kept thinking of incredibly interesting stories that have happened to people around me or boyfriends that I've had that helped to bring these to life. So let's like get into some of that and bring a bit of like juice to the episode as well. So I guess for me, my background is that I've spent a vast majority of my life being in that sympathetic, so the fight or flight. And the reason for that is because I think, well, I'd like to know if you think it has anything to do with being a, a type A personality. But for me, as for as long as I've known, even when I started doing exams at school, it was like, oh my God, the pressure, like I have to get straight A's, like I have to do this, I have to work 13, 14 hours a day. And I would have post-its on the wall being like, keep working, keep working, you know, like so much pressure from such a young age. And then that kind of just continued to blossom into going to law school, the stress of law school, becoming a lawyer, hating being a lawyer, starting my own business. It should have been better. But yeah, fine. Even though I was like making more money and I was flying around the world living on my own terms, the stress of that was horrendous. So for me, that was my baseline plus spinning five times a week. I know you're going to be like, hell no, like not yet. <laughs> Eye rolling for anyone who's not watching this on video. Plus working 14 hours a day, drinking four coffees a day at the baseline. That was my baseline Monday to Friday. And then on the weekends, I would basically either go into like full blown freeze on the sofa. And again, you can tell me maybe that wasn't freeze. Maybe that was something else, but it felt like I would go into full-blown freeze where I would just literally lie and numb and Netflix and take out. And I still do sometimes like that is definitely my coping mechanism. So I feel like I would swing between fight or flight and then through to the numb. And then when you're numb, it's kind of like, oh, what do I do to feel? And I guess before I went sober, I would drink and smoke constantly. And well, not, not constantly, I would smoke constantly, but on the weekends I would go out and party. And I guess that's maybe numbing even more. So I don't think there was any safety. I don't think there was any even moments of like calm, centered, embodied, grounded moments. So I think as like a 
intro to these states in action. Do you think that's like a fair representation saying I was probably like driving and sympathetic and then moving into the freeze? Or do you think that's wrong? Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And that is such a common scenario today. And one thing I want to differentiate between is like normal and common because I think the way just to help people start to pay attention even a little bit to the language that certain people use, or if you're on social media, there are so many doctors and coaches or whatever, they're like, it's normal to feel like this, but like, you got to keep pushing through. It's common. It's common to be, to have all of the signs of burnout. It's common to drink a lot on the weekends and smoke and just over caffeinate. All of those things are really common, but they're not normal. Like they're like, they're actually not good for you, obviously. And that exact cycle of having, you know, whether it's a 24 hour to 48 hour period per week of going into free state, you don't want to talk to anybody, you kind of just want to like hibernate on your own. Yeah, you don't want to cook anything. That's it's like, yeah, you just you can see you get to the point of overwhelm, your body is just like, okay, I know that there's time coming where I can actually just relax. And so your body will push you past not in a good way, past that rest and digest to a deep, deep freeze state just to be like, okay, just stay, like, just stay there. Don't do anything. And you, your system is just essentially so overwhelmed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we're going to get into this, the whole Mexico to London thing, but that even you saying that there is a pattern that I have seen since I've come back to London. And I have found that the Monday to Friday, since I've been back for the last three weeks has even though I've tried to manage it, I've still been in that fight or flight. And then I would still get to the weekend. Like last weekend, the one just gone, I literally had to cancel every single thing in my diary. My body could not physically, it couldn't even go for coffee with someone. It was too overwhelming. So I guess now actually maybe is a good time to talk about my recent transition. And for anyone listening that doesn't know, I just spent the last five months out in Mexico. It was very unplanned. I just went there on holiday with my mom. And then I ended up meeting an incredible man who we're also going to talk about later and the impact that people, particularly relationships, can have on your nervous system because... Wow, I've gone through the whole spectrum over the years. But yeah, I realized at some point, I am so happy here. I am calm here. I am content here. I'm waking up without an alarm clock every day. I am sleeping. I am feeling safe and connected. But my brother is getting married. I have an empty apartment in London and I also have a dog. So I needed to come back to London to basically just to sort some things out before working out my next steps. So I was upset about leaving, of course, but I didn't really worry about the transition. I've lived in lots of cities before across the last decade, and I'm used to moving around. So yes, I was sad about leaving, but I didn't think it would be any more than sadness. So I remember the first day that I came back to London, it was like, okay, and back to reality. I woke up, I took my dog out for her morning wee, and all of a sudden, the cars were going past me. And this is just a normal road. I've lived on this road for four years. And you know the noise when it goes like, Uh when a car goes past you. I literally was stood there like, oh, oh, as it went past, I was like, oh my goodness. And I almost felt like, you know, when you hear about people that have gone to war, like they have PTSD, they hear something that they think is like a bomb or like a shrapnel or clatter or some loud noise that like really, really impacts their nervous system really deeply. That happened. And I was like, oh my God. And I was looking around and I was just thinking, how is everyone just like walking around as if this is like not really loud and intense? So I was like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, again, naughty, naughty, but I was like back to my old routine. It was like, okay, I'm going to go and get a coffee. So Mm -hmm. I went into the coffee shop. And as I was in the coffee shop, there was a homeless guy that was just like shouting, like quite aggressive. And I couldn't stand in that coffee shop. I was looking around and I was looking at these people who were just on their phones, like just standing there, eyes down, not looking at him. And I couldn't do that. I genuinely was like, oh, I was scared. I was on edge. So I left. I just literally turned around and left. I was like, fuck this. I've queued for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. Like I can't be in this environment. And I remember coming home and I just sat down on the sofa 
And I was like shaking and I just was like, oh my goodness, this is horrendous. And I think I cried. I can't remember. And that wasn't the last time that this has happened since I've been back. There's been multiple days where just silly things like something really small will push me over the edge and I'll end up being like, I can't do this. Like I can't live. I can't live in a city, which is crazy because I am not your you know, oh, I want to go and live in the woods. Like that is not me. Everyone knows that that is not me. So I'd love to just hear from your perspective, like what was going on there? Like what happened? Like that I couldn't come back to this city that I've spent so much time in without literally like cowering on the floor in a fetal position. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that, first of all. And I think that you're you're not alone. And I've been literally like, I want to live in New York and like this city girl. And then I just, when I moved back to Toronto, I literally have gone to my parents' house so much more because yeah. they live, like my dad lives beside a river and a forest and I can go hiking. And I'm just like, when did this change happen that I literally want to build my own house in the woods, like yes. next to a lake? what what so I totally get you and yeah like I'm in my Toronto apartment right now and sometimes I'm here and I'm just like yeah now I actually want to have like room to I don't know like roam around and like have a property and yeah so thank you for sharing that I totally empathize with that oh there's so many things so number one is your nervous system is so insanely sensitive and it was built to be sensitive because of the world that it was built for, or like the time period, the amount of quote unquote progress, maybe it's not exactly progress, but change that we've had over the last couple hundred years, even for example, the introduction of artificial light. These are all things that our evolution has not caught up to yet, including our nervous system. So in general, we're already in a pretty stimulating world and to be constantly stimulated is one of the reasons why so many people get stuck in that, in that fight or flight. Now, when you look at the environment that you are in Mexico, Latin America in general, the sun is amazing. It literally makes you happier. And often also like the diet or the food that you're going to eat there specifically, like the fruits are going to be really high in antioxidants, allowing you to be more in the sun and not get burnt. And The kind of lifestyle there is, I always say the pleasure of just being with other human beings is like one of the main pillars of the Latin community and the Latin way of life. And it really makes you feel so connected. It makes you feel taken care of. It makes you want to take care of the earth that you're on, like all these things. So that is a lifestyle that not only is less stimulating in a lot of ways, but it is prioritizing the things that we evolved to need to be our healthiest. Regular sun exposure, eating actually fresh fruit. When I was living in Colombia and I was like, oh, grass-fed beef, they're like, of course it's grass. Like what? Like they, they like the farmers were confused. So they're in a, you know, in some ways like that type of lifestyle, this more ancestral way of living is, is better for us. And it's way less stressful, like way less stressful. And then, so your nervous system is like accustomed to this environment where it does not need to be activated in order to survive. You get to just chill. Now you move back to London. I was in London like a month and a half ago. Totally get it. Huge city vibe. The traffic, the amount of like hustle and bustle and like ambulances going by. You might even be in a smaller space. I'm not sure. So your nervous system, uh, not only on a very, you know, like practical level, it's like, oh yes, you know, like where I'm living changed. Every single thing changed. The quality of the air that you're breathing has changed. Like every single thing and your nervous system is having to adjust and respond to every single change in your environment, assess to see if it's threatening. If it is, begin to try and adapt to that. Wow. Okay. So let's first go into the relationship because I think it's a big part of the component of the big change. So I met this man and he is just the kindest, most stable, grounded, regulated, although potentially more into the freeze. We can talk about that, you know, as well. But the key takeaway is that he's vastly different to how my nervous system was when I arrived. I was for sure fight or flight. He was very calm and regulated, maybe shifting towards the freeze. And I, before him, I had been single for a year and a half since I was super heartbroken. I literally haven't cuddled someone 
in a year and a half. I haven't really been intimate with anyone in a year and a half. And the very few occasions that I was loosely intimate, I mean, I haven't slept with anyone, but you know, if I did like make out with someone, it wasn't from a place of safety. It was from a place of like today's like society, you know, and that was me trying to like see if I could get over my ex-boyfriend and whatnot. So all of a sudden I'm in this place where this beautiful, like heavy energy, but heavy energy in a good way, not like dark, heavy energy, just like grounded energy nothing was an overreaction. Everything was just calm and regulated, you know, so much like he would put his hand on my chest whenever I would feel anxious and physically calm me down. It was a very beautiful experience for my nervous system. But what happened is not only did I have that in Mexico alongside the sunshine, the incredible fruits that I was eating, my feet on the earth, my feet on the beach, the grounding, not drinking tap water, all of those things. Then coming back to London, not only did I have this like intense city vibe around me with the danger everywhere, according to my nervous system, but I also lost that piece of connection. And yes, I've got all of my friends back here and don't get me wrong. It's been so nice to see them again, but I've actually had this insane concept of loneliness coming up over the past week or two. And we have so much to talk about, but I'd also love it if we could get into loneliness as well in this episode because I know that that is a big thing with the pandemic. But yeah, I felt lonely. There's people all around me, but I'm not actually connected with them like physically, you know, hugging and feeling safe. So I'd love it if we could just talk a little bit about what is going on with relationships and our nervous system? No, they definitely can. And I actually, I I want to talk about everything starting with loneliness because what you mentioned is really important and what you experience to be able to be in what I think of now as a partnership versus kind of an immature boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. And they're vastly different. And I'm speaking, literally going through a breakup right now with somebody that I thought I was going to probably marry. And it is simultaneously like the saddest experience of my life, but so beautiful because we actually made the decision together and have supported each other and just were so honest because we built a relationship that was grounded in safety, like always being a safe space for the other person to come to and say whatever they needed, even if it's something like, like I'm doubting this or whatever. And we ended up like ending our relationship because he might want to have kids and I don't want to. So it was like very much to even feel safe to have that conversation, honestly, in the first place was amazing. And that I really wanted to bring in for context because it sounds similar to what like the level of safety and partnership that you have been experiencing. That is so different than being with friends and friends are equally as important. And that type of deep connection that is romantic, physical, emotional, and to allow someone who sees you in every single part of your life to see you being vulnerable and allow them to support you is so deeply healing for the nervous system. And we're meant to have that. We actually evolved. Like that is why it feels so good, right? There's a reason why it feels so good. And then now you're in London. And so that's a huge factor in the overall change of your environment, because it's like, this very visceral support system for you and a support system allows you to feel empowered to face the things in your life that you face is gone. And, you know, people are like, oh yeah, you know, it won't be for so long. You can phone call and FaceTime. Yeah. But it is so different to be able to lay next to the person, to hold hands, to be out for dinner with them, to give them a kiss when you want to. So yeah, like there, that's a huge factor and a change in your environment. And one of the main things that can help to support you being in a parasympathetic nervous system state while going through this transition. Oh yeah. I'm so sorry to hear you're going through a breakup. I mean, I just wouldn't wish it on anyone. I truly think heartbreak is just horrendous on so many levels, but to hear that you're navigating it through safety and respect. I mean, I have goosebumps like all over my body. It makes me feel like I want to cry for you, but I I just trust that, you know, you will move through that in in the way that you are meant to. And with love and respect, it sounds beautiful. And I think that's the polar opposite of what I had with my ex-boyfriend who just literally, despite living together throughout the whole pandemic, just called me up one day on the phone, like I was at my parents' house. So we weren't together. 
and just broke up with me. And then he just never spoke to me ever again. I mean, I, I like fully lost the plot. Like I fully lost the plot. But at that point, I didn't understand, you know, the concept of, of nervous systems. I didn't understand what was going on. I just was like, I can't eat. I mean, I lost a stone in, in a week. Like I can't sleep. I had nightmares all night long, every night, like for months and months and months. I just could not function like a normal human being. And that makes sense, right? Because as you've just explained, like I was just thrown into uh, a situation with zero safety whatsoever, with no forewarning, and not only with no forewarning in that shift of, of states, but also that, like you said, our nervous systems are deeply regulated by being like seen for who we are. And I think that the reason that my last relationship broke me was that I started dating him when I started going to therapy. So it was like, as I started opening up these wounds inside of me, he was there and he held them with both hands with love and respect and said, I love you more for it. I would never judge you for any of this. So it was like, I brought my darkness to the surface with him. So that was the most healing experience. And then he turned around and like, just never spoke to me again. So it was like, wow, I have like, literally open my soul to you and then you basically fully rejected me. Now, I think that it's so interesting to see like how people can impact our nervous systems, whether that's a calm and safe relationship, whether that's a toxic relationship, which I've also been in where like the whole time it's like fight, literally like fight or flight, you're fucking or fighting, mm-hmm. like so passionate or kind yeah. of totally free, frozen and disconnected because with another ex, like he went through a lot of abuse as a child and he didn't even realize when he came into the relationship that he was like fully, fully frozen, fully disconnected, didn't really feel much, got no pleasure from eating or anything like that. So yeah, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but I think my summary is, is I love it how you've just explained the importance that people can have our nervous systems and fundamentally like community and connection, right? Yeah, we're so innately wired for connection. And one of the examples that I want to give is it is like inherently traumatic to be a human being. Like we, you know, like especially in the world that we live in today, like we're just under so much constant stress, but it's also really beautiful to be a human being when we're like using our physiology to work with us versus against us. And so with this example, like, let's say, I don't know, you're going through this breakup again, the same one as before, but you had an understanding of the nervous system and had built a very specific type of support system for yourself within community and friends, therapists, coaches, whatever, that's still going to really hurt. And the knowledge and the felt sense in the body of having like a, a support system for you to just like handle life automatically is going to help to soothe and regulate your nervous system because you got dropped in to no safety by yourself. By yourself is is one of the key things here. It's like we can't, of course, that's so shitty that that guy did that. That's so shitty. And that just shows insane emotional immaturity on his part. And life is inherently traumatic. So how can we make ourselves as resilient as possible? And people often take that especially type A people, okay, I'm going to become, you know, I'm going to work on my mental fitness. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do this. And that's not where that comes from. That is not, resiliency does not come from disconnection with yourself. It actually comes from like a deep, deep connection with yourself and desiring the best for yourself over anything else in your life. Mm -hmm. Like that is when you are your most regulated because even then making difficult decisions or even then facing directly head on the pain of going through a breakup you're literally able to say, wow, I feel really sad today. Like the day that I broke up, my, my boyfriend actually came from Columbia to visit me and we decided to like end when he was here and then he flew back. I made the plan of going to stay at my parents' house. That night made sure I was packed because I knew that that was a way I could support my nervous system to immediately get connection and support from people who love me in my moment, probably of the most pain. So relationships impact us in so many different ways and we're all always co-regulating. So that's like when people say, choose your company carefully. You can tell when someone is dysregulated. You can tell when someone just makes you feel stressed just by being around them. And you can tell the people that make you feel safe. 
And that's what you really want is like a community of people who you feel safe around because they actually want you to be yourself. People that put effort into your relationships. All of these things are deeply regulating for you and empower you to face life's challenges and be like, yeah, this is hard, but like, I got this. Oh, I love that. I think it ties back and circles back to the point towards the beginning of the episode around how we're not supposed to just stay and rest and digest. We're supposed to be able to shift through these states and come back to center, homeostasis, balance. But the way you do that is through a resilient nervous system, not through a nervous system that you're just like pulling in this direction and then forcing it to do that. So I love that. And I think now is probably an awesome time to take this thread of the impact of relationships on the nervous system and the impact of loneliness and tie it back to the pandemic and how and what you've seen going on there. Because for me, I did not find the pandemic traumatizing in any way, shape or form. I had a boyfriend with me. There was a lot of co-regulating. And for people that don't know what that is, it's basically when you use another to, or not use, that's a bad word, but you utilize from a compassionate standpoint, another to help regulate your nervous system. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've learned is that nervous systems kind of pick up each other's information. So actually, if you are with someone with a dysregulated nervous system, it can be hard to regulate yours. But if you're both coming out of this regulation together, like I do now with my boyfriend in Mexico, who is just so calm and regulated, it can help to calm you. But I didn't find the pandemic particularly traumatizing because I had a partner, we were very happy, and I would go back to the countryside whenever we were allowed to in London and see my parents. So sometimes I would move in with my parents when we were allowed to move and then get locked down again. So there would be like five of us there, I got my dog. So for me, it wasn't an inherently traumatic experience, but I know that for so many it was. So I love it if you could just tell me a bit around like, what are you What are you seeing with the impact of the pandemic on people's nervous systems and what can people do to move through that? Yeah. So for me, it was a couple of months ago, I started to see a pattern with a lot of the comments that I was receiving on TikTok or just people would DM me about like the content that I was creating, like, oh yeah, I forgot how to socialize. Ha ha ha. I heard that exact sentence so many times I started to be like, okay, what is going on? This is really weird. And then with some of like my one-on-one clients, I kind of started just asking them a little bit more about, okay, what is going on in your world? And people are like, okay, well, it's starting to go back to the office now, blah, blah, blah. All these kind of things were happening. And there were a couple of phrases and things. Uh, Another one was, I used to work out five days a week and now going to the grocery store is exhausting. And so I just started to look around. Everybody was making jokes. Every single person, it was a joke. Like, oh, I remember like the me of three years ago, she would have loved to go on this vacation and now I just want to stay home. And I'm kind of like, okay, these are actually sad. These are, this is like a symptom. And then I was like, okay, well, these are symptoms of being in a freeze state, specifically in a freeze state. And so I started to make a little bit more content around it and really just also took a step back. And I was like, well, damn, there's been a global trauma for like the last two years. And what I mean by that is the pandemic, this is not a conversation about whether you are vaccinated or unvaccinated or you believe in it or whatever it is. The environment that was created as as a response to this virus was traumatic, is traumatic. It was one, almost immediate disconnection from community. And for so many people, they were forced to go into lockdown with people that were dysregulating for them or even like abusive that happened across the board. Like you can, you think about people that were just literally like locked in their homes, people where they were locked down with the same person for two years, like one other person, uh, people who had like, you know, like, um, what is it? Immuno, immunocompromised or whatever. So like they could barely see anybody. So one of the main pillars of being okay as a human being immediately cut off. What else were you cut off of? You know, you couldn't go out and do things. So what do you do? Well, this is really a really painful environment to be in. Anytime you turn on the TV or Instagram or you talk to a family member, it is this life-threatening virus. Then we start hearing your body can't fight it. There's nothing you can do. All you can do is lock yourself away. So now we're starting to distrust our bodies. Mm -hmm. It is literally in constant fear messaging. So now we look and we look at the spectrum we talked about. What happens when you're in a life-threatening situation where there's no way out of it, 
you don't have a support system and your body does not have access to things like sunlight, a lot of people ordering more food. What do you do? You numb. Your body thinks you're going to die. So you go into dorsal vagal shutdown and it's like so many people are just frozen and they don't really, they think they have depression. They think there's something wrong with them. They look at other people around them that have gone back to normal and seem fine. And this is the thing about trauma. Trauma is completely subjective. You and I can experience the exact same event and it can be traumatic for me, but not traumatic for you. And then there's so much shame around being in this state because our society prizes hustle culture, getting back to it, this type of leadership, whatever. And so it's kind of like, shut up, don't talk, just be grateful that you can go back to work now, whatever. Meanwhile, people are like waking up and feeling like they're living outside of their body or saying things like, wow, I used to be like a healthy person that had a healthy social life. I would go to the gym. I cared about sleep. And now I can't do any of those things and I don't care. And it's like, something is wrong. Like that is not just a, oh, ha ha ha. This is me now. No, something happened. Something happened to make you respond in that way. Wow. So we're going to have to end in a minute. And I'd actually love to invite you back to do another episode because we haven't even got into like the things you can do, (laughs) like when you're in each state and how to kind of move back to more of a state of balance. But I think that my, one of my final takeaways from this is often when people are in these states, I don't think that they realize they are in them. Now I'm talking from experience here and I'm going to give you guys a story, which I really hope my boyfriend doesn't mind me sharing because it's quite like a, it's quite like a dramatic childhood trauma, but I think it's just like the most profound example of like how we don't often realize the states that we're in. As I mentioned, my boyfriend is Mexican. He grew up in Mexico city and when he was younger, this is such a mental story. I genuinely like can't actually get over it. When he was younger, he heard gunshots. They were in a car. He heard gunshots. And he said to his parents, he was like six. He said to his parents, there's gunshots outside. And his parents said, no, honey, like it's just fireworks, whatever. And he was like, no, like it's gunshots. The next thing he knows, the doors of the car, the back of the car are being opened two men with the guns that had just been firing the gunshots pulled him, his mom and his aunt out the back of the car, got in, slammed the door and shouted at his dad, like fucking drive the car now. So not only is his dad driving a getaway car with two armed guys in the back, but also the police are then behind shooting at the car. Okay. So this is when I realized the definition of freeze was that he couldn't fight. What was he going to do? You know, run after the car, get caught in the bullets from the from the police car behind him. Okay, obviously fight is not an option. Flight. What is, where is he going to run? You know, he's not going to run away when his dad is like in that situation. So what was he left with? Freeze. Literally just being frozen there in that moment, waiting to see what happened, like literally frozen. He told me this story. My mouth was on the floor. I was like, babe, like that is so deeply traumatic. I can't believe it. And he was like, I don't think it was that traumatic. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like you said, everyone takes trauma on differently. But I think that was like a profound state of of freeze in some capacity, not being able to do anything. But he didn't even, he didn't even realize that he was in it. And then a week later, he came back to me and was like, hey, I've been thinking about what you said. And I definitely find it a lot easier to go into freeze than I do in, in any other, any other response. And I think my key takeaway is that we can be in these states without even realizing the dramatic and profound impact that they have on our day-to-day life and our personality and our identity. Do you think that's fair? 100% because in like the majority of situations, the our main response that we have is dictated by our childhood environment mm-hmm. because that has been the most deeply and like the longest ingrained in us. So if that's something that he experienced when he was younger and I know also just like the realities of Latin America and people that live from Mexico all the way down to Argentina are at a base level in a greater state of survival than most people are like in North America or the UK. 
So there is more trauma. When I was living in Columbia, I saw a gunshot right in front of my apartment and I lived in one of the nicest, nicest like neighborhoods. And that literally happened. I had to like go on a sales call like two minutes after seeing that. And that's a somewhat normal occurrence, like definitely more than here. So for him to have been exposed to that and think that that's not traumatic is also like, you know, an example of, well, that's much more commonplace in places like Mexico. And these inherent safety is like the real, the real currency, like Mm -hmm. of life and like living so I'm really sorry that he had that experience. And I think that's it's amazing that he is opening to even being aware that he could be tending more towards the free state. And I know we need to wrap up. One of the things that I want to say, and this goes back to one of the first things you said in the episode, talk therapy is amazing at being able to help us cultivate an awareness of what our patterns or tendencies could be, as well as some awareness of when you're experiencing that. So like, oh, I'm going to freeze right now somatic therapy, the nervous system, and all the things we're talking about is the part that helps you with, well, what now? What do I do with this now? And so your boyfriend is at a very difficult, painful, and beautiful point. And I say this because the process of healing true self-care and self-love, which is the most deeply regulating and nourishing thing we can do for ourselves, takes courage. And it takes being brave because to be able to be like, wow, I had this experience or I had this chronic stress in my childhood and I see now maybe why I am the way that I am to then be like, okay, I want to look at this part of myself. I want to understand where this coping mechanism came from. I want to learn how to accept and love this part of myself and not punish myself for being this way. Mm. That's what real healing is. The most important part of the process and it comes after the point of awareness. Mm. And that is everything. Oh, you are so right. So I think to wrap up there, relationships are the most healing thing ever. And that's the relationship with your coach, the relationship with your therapist, the relationship with your significant other, the relationship with yourself and the relationship with everyone around you. But wow, we have spoken for so long and I still feel like we could keep going for like another hour. (laughs) Easily, easily. I am so grateful for your time. There's so much information in here. And I am so grateful for, you know, the energy and the value that you brought to this session. We will link everything about you in the show notes. So, and I think that if you would like to, I would love for us to do a part two. I think that people are going to be crying out for tips and tricks and in maybe they've noticed today that they're in that section or they're in that state or whatnot. And a and couple of tips and tricks as to how to help them navigate would be awesome. So thank you from the bottom of my deeply regulated nervous system. <laughs> I'm very grateful. Thank you for having me. My this pleasure. was an awesome conversation. It was great. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely hop back on here again soon. Bye. Bye.